Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 14. In the last episode, I told you what the two primary obligations of all Catholics are. I also explained that all Catholics are morally obligated to share the faith and why we're obligated. Then I covered a few principles for sharing the faith. In this episode, I'm going to give you a few facts and figures that should show you why we need to have a sense of urgency for sharing the faith. I'm also going to save you a little embarrassment by telling you a few things to avoid. We'll get started right after this. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. In the last episode, I told you that you have two primary obligations. The first is that you must grow in holiness, which we discussed. The second responsibility is to share the faith. I get a real kick out of watching people's reaction when I tell them that. You'd think I just told them they have to go into a terrorist camp and take out the camp's occupants with a broken, rusty-bladed pocket knife and no backup. The idea of having to share the Catholic faith with other people is the stuff nightmares are made of for most folks. It's scary and not easy for most people, I'll admit that. Nothing worth doing is easy, though. To make this point, the Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy battle cry is comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. If you have a conviction that something is right and has to be done, there's nothing comfortable about it. You have to be willing to move outside your comfort zone. Evangelization isn't really that difficult. 
I realize not everybody can do what I do. I get that. Not every person has what folks call the gift of gab. Even if you're a complete wallflower, though, you can still play a role in evangelization. The very first classification of souls to evangelize is none other than your fellow Catholics. Yep, you heard that right, your fellow Catholics. Actually, in this case, I'm referring to former Catholics. First of all, we all need to have a genuine conversion of heart every single day. You do, I do, even the Pope does. But this actually goes much deeper than that because cradle Catholics are leaving the church at an alarming rate. Did you know that one out of every ten Americans is an ex-Catholic, and if they were a separate denomination, they'd be the third largest denomination in the United States after Catholics and Baptists? One out of three people who were raised Catholic no longer identifies as Catholic. 6.5 people leave the church for every one who joins. 50% of young people who were raised Catholic are no longer Catholic today. And 79% of former Catholics leave the church before age 23. Do you know why that is? Here's what Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke wrote to me in a letter about four years ago. A gravely defective catechesis which marked the life of the church in the years following the Second Vatican Ecumenical Council, though not because of the council, contributed to the loss of faith, the lack of a devotional life, and left the subsequent generations devoid of a concrete way to know the Catholic faith and live it. His eminence is absolutely correct. Most Catholics suffer from catechetical illiteracy, perhaps as many as 95%. That's a kind way of saying they're completely or almost completely ignorant of what the Catholic Church teaches. If they knew exactly what the Church teaches, unvarnished Catholic truth that isn't watered-down milk toast, almost all those listed in the previously stated statistics would still be Catholic. But the simple fact of the matter is that they don't know the faith. They only think they know it. Since you're listening to this, then, you're just the sort of person who can help change that and keep your friends and loved ones from becoming one of these statistics. This automatically means the next group of people to be evangelized is non-practicing Catholics. You know lots of people in that category. We all do. Maybe you've got close friends or family who are non-practicing Catholics. You're obligated to share the faith with them. You might say, but Joe, doing that might soil or ruin my reputation with them. Tough. Who is your first obligation to? Your friends and family or Jesus? Before you answer that, you might want to consider what Jesus said in Revelation 3:15 and 16. He said, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Some versions of scripture say, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So our unwillingness to share the faith makes us lukewarm, and that makes us in trouble with Jesus. Besides, by sharing the fullness of the Catholic faith with non-practicing Catholic friends and family, you're showing them they're a top priority with you. They'll eventually get that. The next group is that one made up of almost every Catholic sitting with you at Mass. I've lived in the Archdiocese of St. Louis for about five years, and the people here know the faith much better than the three dioceses I'd spent the last 26 years in. That's not saying much, though. Of all the Catholic laity I've met, I can count on one hand the number of folks who can answer this simple question. How many sacraments are there, and can you name them? 
Not even five people in five years could tell me how many sacraments there are, much less name them. Oh, and I've got a hint for those listeners who can't answer this simple question. You don't know your faith. Oddly, though, when I suggest the need for catechesis, no matter how charitable or diplomatic I am, I always get one of two responses. They either say, I'll have you know I went to Catholic school, or they'll say, I'll have you know I've been a Catholic all my life. They seem to think that these responses mean they know all they're supposed to know, but what they're really telling me is how pitifully and competently and incompletely they were taught. Not too many years ago, it was said of Catholic schools that a child who was educated in them would be a Catholic all his life. Obviously, that hasn't been true for many years. So it's our responsibility to find creative ways to defeat the catechetical ignorance of our fellow parishioners. With the world changing the way it is, which is certainly not for the better, this is more imperative than ever. The final group of people to reach out to are those who make up non-Catholics. Most of the non-Catholics I reach out to are cultivated one-on-one. They're the result of general conversations with people I meet because no one talks to me long before the subject turns to religion, and these are folks God just places in my path. We never have to sell Catholicism. Truth is its own salesman. In 30 years of sharing the faith and making hundreds of converts, I've never once asked anyone if they want to become a Catholic. That's none of my business until they make it my business. My only job is to share the faith. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make converts. I present divinely revealed truth. He causes that truth to pluck at their heartstrings. So your only job is to simply present the truth, and it shouldn't be anything other than absolute orthodoxy, because nothing else appeals to people. Avoid being namby-pamby. Avoid watering down the faith because you're afraid how they'll receive what some people call the really hard truths. Avoid taking what's hard and turning it into milk toast. In short, avoid nice Catholicism. Let me tell you about what I call nice Catholicism. What I present isn't nice Catholicism. Nice Catholicism is namby-pamby milk toast, a watered-down version of the faith where hard truths are left out or glanced over for fear of offending people. We leave out these hard truths at the risk of costing people their souls, maybe our own too. I don't practice nice Catholicism. Jesus wasn't nice in the things he said either. He was full of love, but love doesn't equate to being nice. Those are two different things. He called men broods of vipers, white-painted sepulchers full of dead men's bones, hypocrites, liars, and drove them out of the temple with a whip. Despite that Jesus wasn't nice, he'd already developed quite a following of disciples before he even performed his first public miracle at the wedding feast at Cana. Why? Because truth sells. A lesson Madison Avenue politicians and, sadly, many Catholics in authority have never learned. People have an inherent need and desire for truth because the human mind was made for truth. The whole truth, not just partial truth. Nice Catholicism, worrying about truth being offensive to people and being politically correct, is the biggest reason Catholics don't know their faith, why so many people leave the church, and why we aren't making converts these days. Did I happen to mention that 6.5 people leave the church for everyone who joins? Truth isn't controversial, and it's not possible for it to be offensive. Truth is truth, plain and simple. Truth may get folks emotionally worked up, but it's not controversial. 
Is two plus two equals four controversial? Of course not. But someone who doesn't want to face that truth may become emotionally charged. People like those are why there is still a flat earth society today. No kidding. Look it up. At the end of the day, truth remains truth. It's immutable. The best definition of truth is when the mind conforms to reality. It has nothing to do with subjectivism and everything to do with objectivism. Feelings don't come into play when dealing with truth. You can stand on top of a 40-story building and shout, I don't believe in gravity! Then you can leap off the rooftop and repeat that ridiculous phrase all the way to the ground. Does your subjective opinion that gravity doesn't exist in any way alter the objective reality that it does? No! By the way, the person leaping off the roof will at some point between jumping and impact conform his mind to reality. I learned very early on as a lay evangelist that there are certain things I needed to do and several habits I had to acquire in order to perform evangelization well, have credibility with the person I'm dealing with, and be taken seriously by everyone. The first and most important thing is to stay in a state of grace. Doing this allows you to do the second most important thing, which is to live an outward life that others can respect and admire. Not simply a good life, but an admirable life. In other words, avoid all appearances of hypocrisy and scandal. Not only does this give you credibility, but it also motivates others to want to have what you have that makes you so admirable. As a quote often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi says, Always teach the faith. When necessary, use words. Good point. I recall a married deacon I once met and spent most of the day with. I was fairly impressed with his attitude, knowledge, and demeanor. Then I saw him flirting with a young woman and he lost all credibility with me. He could talk the talk, but apparently didn't know how to walk the walk. You have to be able to do both. I'm not saying he was actually guilty of anything. I don't know. I can't see his soul. I am saying you have to be mindful of appearances at all times. Keep in mind that the number one reason cited by non-believers as to why they don't believe is the hypocrisy of Christians. Of course, modern snowflakes also cite things like homophobia, racism, and discrimination as reasons not to believe. But we can't worry about that because we have to stand firm on God's teachings whether they're popular or not. Our natural tendency is to tell God, okay, I'm here now. You can go sit down and relax. I've got this, God. Hear that noise? It's God laughing. So that's our natural tendency, but nothing even close to reality. Fact is, you're not even capable of breathing without God. You're not capable of anything without God. After all these years, I'm still trying to get that. The sooner you get that through your thick and perfect human skull, the sooner you'll learn how important it is to develop a daily prayer regimen where you can praise him, learn to love him, learn to recognize and respond quickly to his inspirations, and humble yourself enough to realize you need his help to share the faith he gave you and commands you to share. He doesn't need your help, but he does will it. Prayer, daily prayer, is as vital as communion, as vital as breathing. And that leads to the next important thing. Not everyone can do this because of jobs and responsibilities, but if possible, you need to start going to daily Mass. You can go at lunchtime if you can't go in the morning. Many towns have parishes with midday Mass for folks like you. 
Take a sandwich along and eat it on the way back to work after Mass. You simply won't believe the benefits of daily Mass. After all, when you participate in the priest's celebration of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, you're simultaneously standing in the parish church, in the upper room, at the Last Supper, at the foot of the cross, in front of the empty tomb, and at the Ascension. Along with daily Mass is something else you can and must do. We Catholics are supposed to believe in the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, that he's physically, really and truly present in the consecrated host and consecrated wine in the chalice. But 70% of Catholics no longer believe in the real presence. Consequently, Jesus sits all alone in millions of tabernacles throughout the world. It shouldn't be that way in your case. You should spend at least one hour a week keeping him company at your local parish church. A daily visit would be better, but you should give him at least an hour a week. You might say, but Joe, I'm too busy for that. There are the kids' soccer games, I've got my daily workout at the gym, and there's a whole lot of other things on top of my job. I just don't have time. Look, there are 128 hours in a week. In the Old Testament, we were commanded by God to give him 10% of everything. By all rights, then, he could demand that we give him nearly 13 hours of our time every week, but all I'm talking about is one. If you're too busy to find one hour out of 128 to keep Jesus' company in the tabernacle, well, you're just too busy. You need to do a little reprioritizing. Turn off the TV, shut down Facebook, stop texting. I think you get the picture. Another important thing is frequent confession. The church recommends confession once a month, but she's especially pleased for you to avail yourself of this sacrament every week. You say, there you go again, Joe. I don't think I need confession that often. I don't have any mortal sins to confess. Hey, I'm genuinely happy you don't have any mortal sins to confess, and I sincerely hope you never commit a mortal sin. Believe me, though, you have plenty of sins to confess. Don't believe it? Have you complained about anything today? Have you been critical of anyone or anything? Have you been impatient or angry with anyone today? Have you been proud of an accomplishment but failed to give God as much or more praise for the accomplishment as you did to yourself? Have you told a white lie lately? Do you still have something you borrowed you've been meaning to return for quite a while now? Have you suspected someone's motives for something he or she did without evidence supporting your suspicion? At least one of these probably hit the mark. Everybody commits venial sins, which are what all these are. Your favorite saint probably committed venial sin right up to the day he or she died, but that doesn't mean it's okay. When we try to excise venial sins from our lives, it makes it much easier to avoid mortal sins. Besides, working on getting rid of our pet venial sins helps us to better form our consciences rightly to make advancements in the spiritual life. So get in the habit of going to confession weekly. Suffering is another thing. All of us suffer. Some of our sufferings are big and others are relatively minor. God permits our suffering for a reason. He always draws a greater good from any suffering we experience, even if we don't get to see that good. Regardless of what the greater good might be, we can benefit from any suffering he permits to come into our lives today. You can and should offer back the acceptance of your suffering as a gift to God in reparation for your own sins and the sins of the world. The alternative is simply to waste the suffering and get no benefit from it whatsoever. 
In fact, by not offering up your suffering, you won't be reducing any of the justice you owe God in purgatory. Believe me, you want to spend as little time in purgatory as possible. You should offer up your sufferings as they come throughout the day. But there's a way you can start your day and sanctify it in its entirety, offering up your sufferings even when you don't remember to do it as things happen. It's called making a morning offering. The first thing I do every morning before my fifth point of contact plops down in my wheelchair is to pray a morning offering. There are many good morning offerings out there. I'll put a few in the resources section of my show notes. There are thousands of other things to tell you about how you can easily and productively share our holy and ancient faith with anyone, but it would take more time than we have here. Everything I've shared in this episode is born of 30 years of experience. This and a whole lot more can be found in my book, The Lay Evangelist Handbook. You can get a copy of it in print or ebook from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or on cantankerouscatholic.com. As far as your need to become really proficient at the teachings of the church, I offer weekly free webinars for that purpose. To begin getting invitations, just visit joesixpackanswers.com and enter your name and email in the form in the sidebar of the homepage. You'll get an added little bonus. Every three days, I'll send a short lesson on the faith straight to your inbox. Don't worry about remembering all that because everything you need to know is in the resources section of my show notes for this episode. If you have any ideas, questions, or feedback about Catholic evangelization, I'd love to hear from you about it. To reach me, just send me an email through cantankerouscatholic.com. I'll get back to you as soon as possible. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. 
Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. In his latest gesture of solidarity with the pro-life movement, President Donald Trump will host a screening of Gosnell, the trial of America's biggest serial killer, at the White House on Friday. You can read the whole story by clicking on the link in my show notes. Catholic news pick number four. 200 Chinese Catholics put their lives on the line when they attempted to stop the communist government from destroying their beloved shrine. According to Father Bernardo Severella, missionary priest and editor of the Asian News, the 200 members of the underground Catholic Church have been holding a sit-in on the steps of the shrine Amujiapang since yesterday evening. We're willing to lay down our lives, one of the Chinese Catholics is reported to have said. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to LifeSite News. On April 13, candlelight vigils were held outside the Planned Parenthood facilities all across the United States, with thousands of pro-life advocates participating. The vigils were inspired by the chilling look inside the abortion industry in the recently released movie Unplanned, which tells the story of Abby Johnson. Johnson left her position as a manager of a Planned Parenthood facility in Bryan, Texas, after participating in an ultrasound-guided abortion and became a nationally known pro-life advocate. Planned Parenthood is the nation's largest abortion provider and performs more than 36% of all abortions in the United States every year. You can read the whole story by clicking on the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to LifeSite News. Marriage and family provide the foundation of our Christian society, Bishop Joseph Strickland said in an interview, and there's so much broken about that foundation, he said, as well as in the church and the world today that it's imperative to help young couples who are seeking marriage with a strong formation in the Catholic faith, including teaching them about why contraception is morally wrong. The Tyler, Texas bishop spoke with LifeSite News about his call as bishop to teach the Catholic faith and a bold initiative to do so in his diocese, wrapping up its second year. Strickland released the Constitution on Teaching in May 2017 and also established the St. Philip Institute of Catechesis and Evangelization, tasked with teaching the Catholic faith in his diocese. You can read the whole story by clicking on my link in the show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick pick Number One Steve Bannon's emergence from political obscurity continued during an appearance on EWTN's The World Over with Raymond Arroyo, where he criticized Pope Francis not only for siding with globalists on immigration, but also for striking a deal with Communist China on the nomination of Catholic bishops. You can read the whole story by clicking my link in the show notes. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A man named John had been struggling with some powerful worldly temptations. In a dream one night, he saw a lovely fairy coming toward him and spreading out before him precious jewels and other possessions he'd longed on. The fairy said, do these things make you happy? You may have them if you'll be my friend. Just then a noble prince appeared and, spreading a glittering globe on the bed, he said, This robe means fame and glory. You can have both if you'll be my friend. 
John was just about to strike a bargain when he saw a priest standing at his bedside. The priest gazed at him lovingly and said, John, what will all this profit you? Look, I bring you something far more precious. Keep it and be my friend. The priest offered John a plain little gray box. He was greatly disappointed and refused to take it. Open it, said the priest. Opening the box, John found a golden key. The priest said, this key will one day open the gates of heaven for you. It's your holy Catholic faith. John awoke from his dream. He never forgot that dream and found it much easier to resist worldly temptation after that. The fullness of divinely revealed truth that the Catholic Church teaches you is your greatest treasure here on earth. It'll not only open the gates of heaven, but it'll open many golden doors here on earth as well. Behind those doors is the brilliant light of grace that sends its rays of joy into your heart. Think about confession, holy communion, and holy mass. Thank God for this great gift of belonging to the one true church established by Christ. I'll see you next time, six-packers. And remember, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.